The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, tons of people take a multivitamin, and it's important to choose one that's top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a, a million different pills and, and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. That's a difficult sentence to read. I'm not going to lie. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. You are listening to the Bird Calls on the Sports Drink Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search the Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bird Calls, the lottery edition um, I am David Grubb, your host, alongside David Fisher and editor-in-chief of TheBirdRights.com, Mr. Ali Cosell. Um, we welcome you all tonight. Um, this is post-NBA draft lottery, and this, you'll get our reactions to um, the draft order, uh, and we'll go through details of the impact with the Pelicans. We'll talk about the Pelicans' needs in this draft. We'll talk about draft philosophies. And we'll get into just a lot of different things regarding the draft um, because now we know where exactly the Pelicans will be drafting. So first, guys, I'm just going to rattle off the order that came up in the draft um, lottery tonight. Um, we'll start with 14, Cleveland uh, at 14, Charlotte at 13, Thunder at 12, um, the Knicks at 11, um, um, Washington at 10, the Spurs at 9, and then um, the Pelicans, the 8th pick. Uh, that they get from the Los Angeles Lakers uh, at seven, Portland, six, Indiana, five, Detroit, four, Sacramento, um, three, the Rockets, the Thunder come in second and Orlando, I guess, is the winner of the lottery. So Ollie first, um, just give the history again of how the Pelicans got into this position to have the eighth pick, though this was pick was included in the uh, trade with the Los Angeles Lakers. Right. It originally came over in the Anthony Davis trade. Um, one of the several picks that came over here, but the Pelicans had packaged that baby up this past summer when they acquired Jonas Valanciunas, sending out Steven Adams and there are other parts of the deal, right? In uh, moving the 10th pick from also last season, they got the 17th where they drafted Trey Murphy and there was the protections. Thank goodness David Griffin had the foresight, somebody in that front office to put protections one through 10, because even though nobody thought it was likely that the Los Angeles Lakers would finish as one of the 10 worst teams in the league this year, it happened. And had that protection coverage, of course, not been there, um, 
chances are they probably would have at least had a top four protected. Usually teams at least do that type of deal, some kind of top four, top five scenario, but that wouldn't have been enough. Top 10 is what made it because, of course, as everybody knows, uh, the Lakers pick fell eighth. So that is now transferring. It's official. Pelicans will be able to use it in next month's draft. Um, Fish, <clears throat> can you talk about the impact that this has, the domino effect? Where do the Pelicans stand with first-round picks? Because, you know, folks are always constantly trying to redo the math. You do it straightforward. Give them the math on the um, the immediate future um, of the Pelicans and their remaining picks that they've gotten over the last two seasons. Oh, man, they got a lot of picks coming in the future. Um, but the immediate impact right now is the Pelicans have 14 guys under contract. Everyone that was, you know, on the roster last season is under under contract with, on a guaranteed deal, at least for this year, except for Tony Snell. He's the only um, free agent. So the Pelicans only have one roster spot, and that roster spot is filled by this number eight pick. Um, the Pelicans also have two second-round picks in this draft. Um, I I don't know what they're going to do with them. Um, Cash considerations <laughs> coming to town. <laughs> yeah, Cash some considerations. considerations. Are you roll them over to a future second-round pick or whatever? Um, so – I mean, we saw what the team has. Um, I, I feel like the Pelicans are in a position where they can say, we just need to get the best dude that's on the board. Uh, we're not uh, at that part yet. We're not at that um, part yet. We're just talking you, about you the immediate, new, you know, the impact on draft slots, et cetera, picks, da, da, da. Yeah. Don't so, so um, they have some two second round picks this year in this draft. Um, those can be used as assets in some kind of other trade. And then going forward, um, the Pelicans have the better of their own and the Lakers pick next year. So if, if the Lakers are in the lottery next year, the Pelicans have their lottery balls again. Um, in 2024, the Pelicans have the Lakers pick outright in addition to their own first round pick. Um, so they're in a great position going forward. Um, and the Pelicans probably, they, they just, they have a lot of avenues that they can take at this point to try to improve the roster. Yes. And, and I think the one thing that we want to address is like you said, there are 14 locked in spots and this draft pick. Um, so it, it's likely that if the Pelicans wanted to make any, any moves to open up roster, roster spots, um, they'd have to include likely some of those draft picks. Um, one or, you know, depending on the player that they were moving. Uh, but that's what the benefit of having those multiple draft picks is that if you wanted to move off of a Devontae Graham, if you wanted to move off of a an, another player, a Jackson Hayes um, per se, uh, or if you wanted to just, get, you know, if you wanted to release Willie Hernan Gomez um, and, and find a way to, to, to get him off of the roster, just to, if you had a different, a better backup at that position. I don't know what that would be. I'm just saying whatever those options are, those picks give you that flexibility, like you're saying, Fish. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's talk about um, just assessing the Pelicans' needs in this draft. I have six, uh, excuse me, five listed, and I'm going to let you guys go first in assessing those um, as to where you think they should rank amongst the five um, and, and give your reasons why. Um, start with interior defense. Fish, I'll let you go first on that. Um, of, of, in the top five, just your thinking right now, 
where would you rank this as as a need for the Pelicans? The the Pelicans definitely need interior defense. I don't know if the number eight pick is the thing that I would use to get defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at the rest of the roster and the number of wings that they have available between Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, Nadia Marshall, um, they have guards with the Trey Murphy. Yeah. Um, Trey Murphy. Like when, when you toss all those dudes out there, um, can the Pelicans get a big man, you know, that can protect the rim. That's, that's the biggest thing that the roster is lacking. But at the same time, when I look at who's going to be on the board at eight, do I really want to draft a Jalen Duran or Mark Williams that high? We're talking about targets. Yeah. But yeah. just as a need though, it's a, it, where would you rank it among the, the Pelicans? Like just as on the, in general, their, their, their needs oh. going into the draft as a team. They're, in terms of their needs going into like this offseason in a general sense, yes. Yes. Um, interior defense is is the number one thing for me. Oh. Without- for me, it's number two. Um, it's pretty obvious. The Pelicans, you know, you watch Jonas Valanciunas play, he can guard his space decently, but other spaces in terms of whether it's above him, right, meeting people at the rim or just in help situations, he doesn't do a very good job. And I think oh, the plan was always for Jackson Hayes to be able to do that someday. Three years in, we have yet to really see a good hint of any kind of consistency. So the Pelicans definitely have to shore it up. And, yeah, you've already talked about Billy Hernan Gomez. I think Pelicans will probably want to keep him, right? He, he's such a big locker room guy. And I have a feeling they're not going to want to disrupt the chemistry. So I don't know where they're going to find the space for that. But, yeah, David, it's, it's number two because in the playoffs, Nobody gave up a higher field goal percentage in the restricted area than the Pels, and they were pretty darn awful in the regular season, too. Even though the attempts, right, the opponents didn't have an overwhelming amount of attempts, the fact that once they got in there, the Pels were just powerless, right, to dissuade shots. So that's something that they can definitely shore up, and and you should look to do it somehow. Um, The second I have listed is shooting. Ali, you get to go first with shooting. Where do you rank it one through five? Yeah, shooting's number one. I mean, flat out, watch these playoffs. Dallas and Boston have advanced to where they are because of that three-point shooting. Pelicans shot, what was it? They finished 27th in three-point shooting and the attempts and the, and the makes, they were all too low, right? Well below NBA averages and standards. So they've got to shore it up. You know, Brandon Ingram had an off year. You think that they'll fix that up, but CJ's not enough. Trey Murphy's not enough. So that to me is why I think with that eighth pick, you've got to chase some kind of wing shooter. You've got to add to that by, um, by either speaking, and we'll get to this, some guys, but like my favorite, as you guys know, is Benedict Matherin. Um, Fish, before I toss it to you, I'm going to say, for me, shooting is like three mm-hmm. um, because of these things. These are the reasons why I'm fishing, shooting at three. I think the Pelicans, number one, attempts will go up. I think attempts will go up because CJ is going to raise their total attempts over the course of the season. That number in and of itself, him playing those minutes, he's he's going to have nights where he, he shoots 10. He's going to have nights where he shoots eight. So I think that that alone will increase the number and it'll increase the percentage. But Herb Jones showed that there were stretches of last season where he was an effective catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. Trey Murphy led all rookies in three-point shooting percentage and had an awful start to his rookie season, yet still finished number one. 
you're talking about the return of – we're assuming the return of Zion Williamson in some capacity for, let's say, 75% of the season, which we all say will allow people to get some open looks because of his existence. Brandon Ingram will continue to shoot a high percentage even if he doesn't shoot a high frequency of them. He's still a career with the Pelicans, roughly a 37 38% three-point shooter. So if all those things are in place and you're taking away the valleys – of the really of the guys who are streaky from the lineup, and you're no longer counting on Jonas to have to force threes because there was no one else on the floor to take them. If those things are the case, and and your guys who showed that they are gifted shooters, like a Trey Murphy, and you can still get shooting out of Larry Nance, I think better than who showed he could shoot from the outside at times as well. And even if you if there's one thing we do know is that Jackson Hayes is a willing three-point shooter if he's still on the roster and shot a decent percentage. So I think if mm-hmm. you're taking out the, the valleys of the, the guys like Devonte from the regular rotation, the valleys of a guy like Collis, I mean, um, of Garrett Temple, the valleys of a Kyra who's not really a great three-point shooter and he wouldn't be playing as many minutes. And we also saw Jose, his three-point shooting improve. And if he can stay somewhere between 34 and 38%, which is all I would ask out of a backup point guard, if he's staying in that area, then I think the Pelicans are a much better three-point shooting team, even if they don't – they don't. I don't think they need to be in the top ten in attempts, but you need to be in the top ten in percentage. And I think they're going to shoot a better percentage next year offensively. Uh, Fish. I, I mean, I agree with, with your, your premise there. Um, I, I think that the Pelicans will shoot better from three um, with the assumption that there's going to be – at least some Zion next year because he's going to open up more looks. I think we saw even during the Phoenix series, we saw a lot more Brandon Ingram catch and shoot three point attempts than we had seen during the season. I think that's a lot him getting comfortable with CJ McCollum, him getting comfortable with Jonas Valanciunas. Um, so I think Brandon Ingram's three point attempts, um, it's not going to be necessarily something he's hunting like he did his first two seasons here. But I think it's something that's going to come to him more in the flow of the offense, um, especially once Zion gets back. Um, you already touched on C.J. McCollum. Um, I've, I think he's he's going to do great things for that. Um, we've seen the the improvement from Herb Jones um, in one season. He came in and the, his reputation was essentially that he was going to be a complete non-shooter. Um, that was my expectation. Um, and he was close to league average over the course of the entire season. Um, and then Trey, Trey Murphy's a sniper. And when mentally, when I look at the rotation and I see more minutes for Trey Murphy, you know, the same amount of minutes from Herb Jones, the same amount of minutes from CJ McCollum, and then you toss Zion Williamson and his rim pressure, which creates open three-point shots for other guys. Um, I don't think shooting is an incredibly high priority. However, in the draft, I think shooting is something that you draft for at a premium, but not at the expense of defense. Um, I, I I would rather the Pelicans try to get more Herb Joneses um, than try to get more Trey Murphys. Not because I don't love Trey Murphy, but because a whole lot of guys that you get that try to be a Trey Murphy um, end up being somebody who all they think they can do is just stand and shoot. Um, and that's why I'm down on like a guy like AJ Griffin and stuff like that. But um, I, I would, I would put shooting. Uh, it's still high. It'd probably be third 
behind yeah. um, perimeter defense for me because I want interior defense and I want perimeter defense because defense shows up every night. That's how you win games in the NBA. That's how you're going to be over 500. Be great defensively every single night and give your offense a chance. Ali, perimeter defense is on the list. It wasn't the one I had next, but since Fish brought it up, yeah, I, I mean, certainly um, we saw when the Pelicans are able to harass other teams, that's that's what they want to be. They want to be um, – they want to force teams to make difficult passes. They want to force teams to throw cross-court passes. They want to be able to, to, to harass people on the ball and then create in the open court and have guys who are flexible in doing that. Um, so, yeah, that's why I would have perimeter defense – second for me ahead of shooting um i just think it for for this team it it's the fastest way to continue to raise its floor on a nightly basis to get guys who instantly can play nba level defense i'm just trying to think where i would rank it because it's not definitely in anywhere close to my top two um and and i've got faith that there's going to be increased uh, improvement, just general improvement with this young team, right? In those respects, we saw, I think we saw a lot of improvement just from Brandon Ingram. The fact that he was making second efforts. He was actually using his length for the first time defensively in the New Orleans Pelicans uniform in his uh, three years here. Zion, same thing. I'm hoping that he, you know, nails down some fundamentals because, boy, he's got that ability. So why can't he, that somehow translate defensively? So I, when you add that to, of course, you've already got Herb, you've got Jose. I think Trey's going to become at least an average defender at his position. You know, I don't see it as a, you know, as a necessary in my top three, I'll just say like, I guess in the top five, I could find room for it because you can always use more defense, right? Just like every team can use more shooting, but I'm more just concerned with just, you know, in the paint, right? They, they just struggled. You need to have at least one legitimate shot blocker on this team and they don't have one. You got to be able to when defenses break down, that you can't just rely on a rotation and hope for a steal because if, if that didn't happen to the Pels, guess what? They were getting burned a lot this past uh, season. So I don't know, guys. I'll, I'll let you go. We'll just move on because I, I don't really have much more to add other than I just don't think that, you know, that's one of my priorities, top three cool. priorities. I mean, sure. this isn't an argument. You know, it's just I'm just yeah. asking thoughts. So, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, the next one I have on the list is shot creation slash ball handling. Yeah, that's um, my number three. <laughs> So I had that one fourth for me um, just because, again, I think it's – you see, again, it, for Brandon, for him personally and efficiently, he is he, – he, when he handles the ball in brief bursts, he is very effective. CJ can operate with the ball. At 6'3", he can do that. We know that, that um, how good um, Jose can be in the pick and roll. But I think the Pelicans need another player – wherever that position, and we know Zion certainly can create his own shot. I just think you don't, you, can, you can't have enough of those guys either in the NBA of, of when the clock is going down, somebody on the floor who you just like, you can make something happen with the ball in your hand. And so that, that's why it's, it's not number one for me because the Pelicans do have so many guys who are options with the ball. But I think, that again, that's why for me it's four, um, just having more shot creator ball handler types. Uh, Ali, you can go first on this one. Yeah, as I just was speaking over you, I said third for me on my list, right? So behind shooting, behind rim defense is, of course, what you just said. Uh, the Pelicans need another playmaker, somebody to facilitate the offense a little more, but somebody that's also got a shot, right? You can't just have a facilitator that 
you know, isn't going to draw defenses out because that just doesn't work. No, a bucket right? getter. Yeah, somebody can get a bucket. Right, right. So, you, look, I, there's been not a better example than what Dallas has done this year for me, especially in these playoffs, right? So that three hit a monster of Luka, um, Jalen Brunson, and Spencer Dinwiddie. When, he's, when his shot's dropping, they're, they're formidable. I mean, they completely looked dominant in that game seven win over the Phoenix Suns. So Pelicans don't have enough of that. You, you trust B.I. where he's at in his growth of his stage. Zion, you got to think, is going to develop it soon. You already touched on all this, David, but CJ, yeah, he can be a lead guard, but not for an entire game. And I've got a question. If he can be your lead guard consistently during the last five minutes of games, because that's where he seemed to have some rough patches, at least in the mm-hmm. Pelicans uniform. I know yep. it wasn't a lot of minutes, but I think that's why a lot of people have been asking about yep. maybe the Pelicans need to draft a veteran point guard. And I don't think they need a point guard, but they do need another guy like we're talking about. And that's, that's why I really want to shade and sharp, you know, in this draft. I think like, Next to Jaden Ivey, I actually think I, I prefer Shaden Sharp now, but that doesn't matter. They're eighth, but they need somebody like that that's going to be so dynamic, right, with the ball in his hands, especially from a guard position, I feel like. And now I'm not sure how they're going to do it. I, yeah. I don't know how you can acquire that guy because every team's looking for him. So I'm sure we'll be thinking about that before free agency. We've got plenty of time. But, yeah, that's number three for me. Like that for me, and I'm gonna just before I pass the fish on this, is like for me, and, and fish will keep telling me I know that there's no space, but my wish guy. My wish guy <laughs> is DeLon Wright. Shoots 38% from three, mm-hmm. handles the ball long, and can play defense, passes the ball well, doesn't turn it over a lot. That I like him in that role. I he's a he, good player, David. Yeah, that's a great a target. Veteran as well. He's he, excelled in every spot he's been in the last yeah. like, three years, four years. He is a stabilizing force for as a backup. Like You, you bring him in, he is not going to mess things up for you. He's going to contribute. And again, that size in the backcourt, which is something the Pelicans don't have. So you get mm-hmm. ball handling. You get a guy who can knock down an open three. You get a guy who will be fine, you know, running an offense and creating for other people. You don't have to run plays for him. And, I, and again, as a veteran, for me, the Pelicans, that's what the things that they didn't get out of Devontae Graham. And I hate to keep beating up on him like that, but the, that's what the Pelicans now need. They don't need what they thought they needed out of Devontae Graham because you're getting that better out of C.J. McCollum. So what you want to do is get the skills you don't have now. The skill you don't have is a bigger guard who can run your mm-hmm. offense and score some points. Well, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump right in on, on, on that grub, and, and it sounds like in terms of the draft and where the Pelicans are, it sounds like you're describing a lot of what Dyson, Dyson Daniels possibly is going to be. Yes. Um, and I mean, the shot obviously is very questionable at this point, but um, the, the rest of it, the defense, the ability to create shots, the ability to run the offense, to be a bigger guard. Um, and I mean, that's kind of the intersection of all of the things that I'm looking for in a pick, really. Um, if, you know, if the Pelicans are picking it at eight and they don't trade back and there's no convolutedness that I'm talking about on Twitter and stuff. If they're just going to pick at eight, um, that's that's where I land on Dyson Daniels. I want the guy who can defend, can create shots, has shown a little bit of promise with the shot, and just say, hey, we're going to lock you in the room with Vincent, and we're going to see if he can work his magic on you. Um, and, yeah, that seems like, and, and that sounds like a very San Antonio Spurs, you know, from a decade ago approach as well. Um, 
where when you have a whole bunch of guys just get more smart, hard-nosed defenders, um, you know, that do all the stuff already that can keep you on the court. And then we'll see, you know, if we can develop the things that you need to be able to get, you know, a good second contract shot. Yeah. So that, that I mean, you, I mean, we've, we've essentially with what are we, you know, what do we want with this pick? We're describing to me, um, Dyson Daniels. That's my guy as well. Um, but before we, we go to, we put all of all, all of our guys on for sure. Um, I just want to go quickly into, um, the, the, the philosophies, there are two philosophies when people go to a draft. Do you take, do you draft out a position of need to make sure that you leave the draft with a need filled, or do you just take the best available player regardless of position? Um, Fish, I'm going to let you go first on this one. So my approach is largely take the best available player, but in a way that I put a premium on the guys that you always that you're all that every team is always chasing after mm-hmm. every team wants, you know, the multidimensional wing, the wing that can, you know, defend and shoot or the wing that can shoot and create. And we don't have to hide them too much. Um, I mean, Duncan Robinson got $90 million and he can't even get on the floor with Miami just because mm-hmm. he could shoot. Um, so that leads me to say like best available player with the caveat of it's probably not a big man um, because I, I would, especially where the Pelicans are right now, mm-hmm. um, I would much rather the Pelicans find a different avenue to get a big man that isn't mm-hmm. a developmental project. Um, now, if the Pelicans were in the top four, it would be a different discussion because you're talking about extremely high ceilings for, you know, those guys up there. But the rest of them, the Jalen Duran, you know, the Mark Williams, those aren't those aren't the guys that I'm picking at eight and hoping that it pops because most of the time when you try to do that, what you end up with is is Jackson Hayes. Yeah. I my philosophy, Ollie, um, is you take the best available player, and by player I mean basket complete basketball player. Like the guy that I that wants to play basketball. Like and it does, again, it's not about position. It's just I'm looking for basketball players, man. I want guys like like when you when we're talking about Jose Alvarado, we're talking about a basketball player. You see that he wants to play basketball. Herb Jones wants to play basketball. Trey Trey Murphy wants to play basketball. Those are the guys that I want to look in. You know, that's when I'm looking for the best of that group. Don't show mm-hmm. me. Don't show me your vertical. Don't show me your highlight reel. Give me the basketball players because they've already shown me that those are the guys who are going to stick. The other guys that the Pelicans have gone for in the draft who did not or have not exhibited that same kind of level of fire, though they have shown equal if not higher levels of skill at certain times. The reason we're frustrated with them is because they don't show exhibit that same attitude, that same desire to be a basketball player, to be part of a winning basketball team. That's what I want the Pelicans to come away from the draft. I completely agree with you. And I would just add also, you got to throw an IQ in there because I thought Frank Jackson mm-hmm. really worked his tail off. And I don't, and this is not to be a little Frank, but he, he just never developed, even though he loved basketball 
and he, he, he did, he always put in his work and stuff, but nothing ever really translated, at least not here in new Orleans. I feel like the reason is it just didn't click for him because he unfortunately didn't have that IQ. So yeah, right. a lot of people still stuck looking at talent and such. And that's what they usually think of when people refer to, of course, the best player available. I, I can't be any further from that stance. I was there maybe about 10 years ago, right? You can grab any kind of piece of Play-Doh and hope to mold it. So find the best looking uh, you know, Play-Doh out there, but it doesn't work like that for sure. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on the mindset. And for the Pelicans, I think they've identified on, on how to find those type of guys and who's going to fit inside, of, especially this locker room under Willie Green. So yeah, I, I'm not sure which, we don't know which guys, rate really high on that end of the spectrum in terms of, you know, the makeup and then those, those type of intangibles, but I'm confident Pelicans will find them. And that's right. That's, that's who you're going to have to go after for sure. Add guys to this group, this existing group, because it, it's looking like a special one. So add to it. Don't detract. Cause the windows open now, like yeah. this is the way the NBA works in the modern NBA. As soon as it opens, you have three, four years tops. You better get in. Look at Phoenix, look at Phoenix right now. You know, they yeah, their window might have closed, closed, right? <laughs> yeah, it could be it could be over for Phoenix that quickly because Aiton could be gone. He's likely gone. Chris Paul, even if he returns, can he? He's shown his body now cannot hold up. It just can't. Yeah, it can't make it through a playoffs. No, he can't do yeah. it. So if that's the case, you know, Phoenix's window could be closed. Utah's window could be closed already. You know what I mean? We They just got to the point where they were winning 60-plus games. That could already be over. And so the Pelicans don't have time to be waiting for people to make large jumps as basketball players. You want talent. You always want talent. But like, like I think we, the three of us agree, I want talent with a high floor. I want somebody who comes in that with this group, because you just don't have that kind of practice time in the NBA. You don't have the time to, to spend to get people up to speed in that regard. The one thing you better be able to do is understand how to be a teammate, man. You better walk in the door and understand how to be a professional. And I think that that's what the Pelicans need. And that's why those other three rookies last year, all of them walked in the door and said, yeah, we're, we're happy to be here, of course. But we ain't going nowhere. And they stayed in the gym every day. And then they got on the court. Yeah, Grub. And to kind of to double down on, on what you're saying there with, you know, somebody who's who's ready to come in and be an NBA player. Um, it j- just that's going to present come with it, you know, with the right mentality and stuff like that. The Pelicans already have plenty of ceiling raisers. The ceiling raisers are already in place. Zion Williamson is here. Brandon Ingram is here. Um, I, I would even say Trey Murphy relative to his draft slot, um, his skill set that he's he's shown and how much we know that skill set is valued in this league. Um, he's a ceiling raiser on this team. Herb so Jones Herb, is one of, Herb. Yeah. <laughs> Herb is one of the like the five best defenders in the freaking league as a rookie. Like he's not gonna get worse. No. <laughs> he's gonna put in the work. Like He's watching film or something right now. He's watching the game and he's he's thinking about how he's gonna, you know, shut down Jason Tatum. He's thinking about how to guard Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum right now. I guarantee you. But you also saw her put the ball on the floor. We saw him go behind his back. He's not gonna get the same fouls next year. Exactly. 
he's not gonna get rooked all year so i mean the ceiling raisers are here so that's where like i mean dyson daniels he kind of he threads the needle because he's a young guy but he's an international guy who's played professional basketball um and he comes in with high iq you know huge defensive motor guy i mean then the other guy that i think really fits and he's the one that i wrote about who fits the pelicans mold would be Agbaji out of Kansas because he's a four-year guy who just kept working at his craft. Um, he's, I mean, everyone's going to say, you know, at eight, that's you're overdrafting him because everybody has his board, um, you know, further down in the, in the middle or whatever. But what, what team is looking around and saying, you know what we don't need is a guy who's about six foot five, six foot six, wants to defend everywhere, can knock, knock down three point shots off the move. You know, there's a lot of teams in the NBA that just look around and be like, nah, we have enough of those. No, they always want more of those. You can't have enough of them. Somebody could get injured. Somebody gets traded. Somebody gets, you know, they fall out of favor in the rotation or something like that. You can't have enough of those guys on on the roster. So, yeah. Ali, I know you love Benedict Mathurin. Um, I... I, I we all love his skill set. Do you think? And I mean, this is not to defend him. I'm not. I'm not trying to put you in that position. But tell me why you think he would be a, a, a really good fit versus someone who maybe has played a couple more years of ball. Yeah. So in addition to the fact that everybody knows he's a good perimeter shooter, he's got the athleticism. I'm sure somebody has seen at least some clips of the NCAA tournament where, boy, that the best game for me. I know that the, the final four was pretty darn good, but TCU, the matchup of Arizona versus TCU, and what uh, Benedict did in that game. It, it, it showed to me that not only does he have like the skill set to succeed in the NBA, he's also got that competitive fire. And that, that, that I feel like would be just a perfect, perfect uh, addition and, and a seamless fit on, on this team, right? And look, Willie Green wants guys that can do a number of different things. And while Benedict's not going to ever be confused, I think, with a lead guard, he can do a lot of things. He can put the ball on the, uh, on the floor and make a drive. He can run the break. And as I mentioned, he can shoot, and he can shoot some crazy tough shots too. So I just love everything about him, and it sounds like his makeup is good. The only knock on him is defense, right, where he's been very inconsistent. But with a guy with his athleticism and gifts, I just think you get him in the right atmosphere, and I've got to think that Pelicans practice facility is one, especially now, that you can fix all those things up because he's got the ability. It just hasn't translated on the court yet. He's just got to put his energy into defense just like like he does on offense and if if look and if if he passes say the interview test with the pelicans and and they love how you know he performs in it then you absolutely i think you got to pick him that's that's my favorite is trading the pick on the table for the pelicans in a reasonable way i'm certain it always is because this is the nba and people will make phone calls about the pick but reasonably speaking do Either of you think that the Pelicans will, will trade this pick? I personally don't. Uh, you want to go fish? Well, I, I mean, I was going to say this is the Pelicans. You, you mentioned, you know, the, the windows open and the Pelicans have a lot of future draft capital. Um, we don't see a lot of trade ups in the NBA. But if the Pelicans really love a guy and they can talk, you know, the Rockets 
or the Kings into trading back, the Pelicans have the additional assets that they can give that team, you know, another first or another first in Jackson Hayes or something like that um, to move up to get. Um, and I mean, my dream's always going to be Jabari Smith, um, but to, to move up and the, the whole point, and it's kind of what OKC has done up to this point is they had all these picks because they were ready to plop them on the table if the lottery didn't break their way to move up. Now they haven't been successful with that, but that doesn't mean you just keep up, don't keep on swinging at it until, you know, the scenario lines up just right. And, you know, the door opens for you. You've got to keep right. on, you've got to keep on banging on the door. Now, in terms of the Pelicans trading like completely out of the draft, I would be shocked if that happened because the team sees the roster is going to get more expensive. Yeah. Um, and Grub, you and I have always been on this train. Just keep on adding a rookie. And you know what? Just keep on adding one. Add mm -hmm. one a year. And all you need to do is hit like every other year or every three years. And you've got a cheap dude that can be in your rotation. Um, and that's how you make that's how you make your roster sustainable. And that's that's why the the contenders that we have that we're talking about their windows are closing is because the window opened and they threw all the assets out the window chasing the title. And then you look up and you have an old expensive roster and you have run out of means to improve. I mean, look at the Spurs. That's how the Spurs maintained, you yep. know, 50-win seasons, even when they didn't have elite talent, was because they kept bringing in quality, functional young basketball players. Their rookies didn't take a long time to mature because that's what they were looking for. Even in Tony Parker, when you took him at 19 years old, you took him because he was a professional basketball player and you knew he could take the rigors of, of doing that. You took him on a Ginobili. You can take a risk on that because he was a professional already. He wasn't a kid. So I think that that's the thing for the Pelicans is you your core, your core is you, you, you bet on it already. You put the money down on the core. You have to find those cheap guys who hit like you you hit the lottery on Herb Jones. You are never going to get a better deal than what you got for Herb Jones. Like that's impossible to calculate what his value was this season compared to other draft picks. If you talk about value, then Herb Jones was the rookie of the year. You know what I'm saying? Like for what you picked and where you picked him. Yeah. To get what you got out of that. Come on, you got NBA, all NBA level defense and a guy who impacted wins and losses in the second round of the NBA draft. Come on. It doesn't happen. Yeah. At the, at the cost of a minimum contract. <laughs> yeah. It's, and, and then they were smart enough. And remember we were like, they guaranteed his deal. Oh, he ain't going nowhere. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they, they signed a multi-year deal because they weren't stupid and, and they get credit for that. They get a lot of credit for that, for locking him up. So, um, I think we've gone over the targets. Is there anybody else that we think is strongly about at eight? Because I mean, I think there are players. I'm not strong about Jalen Duran. He's not. I'm not strong. I know people like him. I'm, I like him, but I'm not strong on him because I don't. Memphis is just such a weird environment, and they that team is so weird to assess to me. I, I yeah, mean, I want to talk about. I'm not. I'm not on board with big men who aren't like clear-cut like this is the dude and you're picking him like in the top three or four 
if you're just swinging on big man project with tools and stuff, man, what, like, you might get a hit and you get what, like a Mo Bamba? Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, he's not even 19. We're talking about window being open. I think he's going to be like a three-year project at a minimum. You know, he's yeah. he's explosive as all heck, but he's a guy I avoid absolutely. If I'm, yeah, I'm I talking. think that there are just too many guys in this draft, and that's the prop. That's a good problem to have if you're the Pelicans, because like it does give you options. They could move backwards if they don't, if the guy that they don't want, or if they see the guy that they do want slipping in value to somebody else. You know, like if other people haven't, if whoever their top players on their board. That's who they should take. That that's that's what I would advise them to do. And if they follow the strategy they did last year, then I think it'll be successful. We, we you don't know it's the NBA, but yeah, to me the, the thing is, you look at this draft and there yes, there's ta- talents and you see a guy where they talk about Tari Eason, who I watched play at LSU this year, and Tari Eason they're talking about the Spurs taking him at nine, as high as nine, and I'm like. Tari Eason couldn't stay on the floor, though. Like, as yeah. talented as he is, he couldn't stay on the floor. They had to put, bring him off the bench because he got in foul trouble so frequently. That, yeah. to me, is not somebody who can contribute your first year. And here's another guy I'll throw out there, and I mentioned him in our group chat, A.J. Griffin. I get that, you know, he's got all this talent in the world, but I watched like three or four games closely, and I was watching him because I already knew Ben Caro after just seeing a couple of games of him early in the season. And I just don't see it. I don't know if he's going to develop the type of feel and competitiveness on the court that you need, right? So you guys yeah. can help me, but I didn't see it. You mm-hmm. know, I know he's got that length. He's got the ability to shoot the three. He's supposed to be that prototypical wing. But I just didn't see enough to where I think this guy's going to be a successful NBA player. Tell me I'm I wrong. See, I didn't see the leadership. I didn't see, like, that, that like when Duke was getting beat in the Final Four, nobody wanted it. Nope. <laughs> yeah, Nobody he didn't away in that final game against North Carolina, but I watched another North Carolina game during the regular season. He did the same thing. I saw the one against Michigan State, Michigan State in the finals, or excuse me, Nancy Tournament. Same that, thing, that, Grub. That same thing. There. It's there. When, when they talk yeah, about – He's a freshman, but, man, you've got to show something, right, in the moment, right? A couple of minutes first. I didn't see any of that. That's the thing. That's the thing. When we talked about the, if you if, – you know, Trey, when we talk about Trey Murphy and, and, and his story, the things were evident, though. He was setting freshman records at TCU. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And his work ethic was legendary at TCU. The reason he went to Virginia is because he wanted to work. You know what I mean? Like, you should be because I want to work. So, Herb Jones, the what, the, you know, you saw Kyra say, I try to tell you all this. We all knew this about mm-hmm. her. So, this story, and Jose. Say so he shows up at George. This is who he is from the day one on Georgia Tech's campus. So those guys, those traits, don't you know? I don't think you learn those traits. I think you either have them, it's, or, it's, you don't. or you don't. You can yeah, be a exactly. pro, but there's certain people who love it, and that's what the Pelicans have to have is guys who love this. So there's one guy we haven't mentioned who's most most mocks I've seen project him higher. Um, but I have seen him as low as eight, and that's Keegan Murray out of Iowa because I love him if if he slides to eight for some reason because people are chasing younger, sexier wings with, you know, more I athletic. Like Keegan, Murray. Um, Keegan Murray is, I mean, he's, he's, he's like a high-volume, like, 
scorer right now, but you think like how how can you like pare that down to his most efficient parts? Um, and I mean, he was the dude. You, you know, he was the guy on on the Iowa team. Um, so Keegan Murray would be definitely a guy like if the Pelicans are looking at, man, we really need to get a shooter. We need to add more shooting to the roster. Um, and Keegan Murray is there at eight. That is the guy I would much rather have. Um, and any situation, honestly, that Keegan Murray would be there at eight, I would assume that somebody took a swing on AJ Griffin earlier because of, mm-hmm. of his age and his, his his recruiting profile, et cetera. And they're just expecting that he has, he's got to get over the, the injuries he's had during his college career and things like that. Um, but in that situation where one of those teams, you know, in the four through seven range, you know, those teams decide not to take Keegan Murray and he slides because they're going, you know, you can see a, a scenario where Griffin and Shaden Sharp and um, maybe Jalen Duran, like a whole bunch of people, they, they just chase after, you know, the big athletic numbers and all of that. And then all of a sudden you're looking, the Pelicans are, are on the clock at eight and Keegan Murray's still on the board. Man, run up there and pick that guy. Yeah, yeah. he's somebody I'm not expecting to be available either, Fish. But I'm, I'm for some reason, I, as to where Tyrese Halliburton I was in love with, right? He was flying too low under the radar. I'm not a big Murray fan. I don't know, especially for this Pelicans team. I feel like they've got an abundance a huge abundance of just wings, right? Forwards. And that's what he is. So I feel nothing but a conflict on this roster where I would wonder about his development more than anything. And I'm worried about his shot. I, I, don't, I don't really trust his shot. Um, I only saw a couple of games, but I've read some scouting reports, watched some video. And what stands out to me is that free throw percent. You know, he, he's not a real good free throw shooter. And he actually took a step back in his second season from his freshman year. So, it's just I see some red flags with him. I don't know. But at eight, I think you're right. He'd probably be a steal. But, yeah, I don't like his fit necessarily for this roster. So I'm not hoping he falls, I guess, is the best way to put it. I like him as a player, but I don't think he fits this roster. Because of yeah. the skill set that he has, I think particularly offensively, he's not going to be able to utilize those skills well with this group. Yeah, he's a high IQ guy, but they've got those guys already right at those positions. So I don't know. That's the thing is I just don't think he blends in well. Off, I mean, defensively, if you can play defense, you fit in anywhere. But I think yeah. offensively, he would be. Re, it, it, I think it just wouldn't fit for him. And I, I think he can help a team absolutely. Um, but I think he's probably going top five. I think he might go top five, top six, six, top six. What do you think? Yeah, I don't even know. What, what does ESPN have him mocked? Let me see. Oh, I, opening it up, Sacramento Kings at four. Okay. I've heard the Pacers like him a lot. I've heard that the Pacers really like him a lot. So, I well, think it makes sense, hoping. kind of, because Harrison Barnes has been supposed to be out the door forever at Sacramento. Murray makes all a lot of sense over there. Yeah, it's but but they got Sabonis over there. Yeah, well, Sabonis is a true center more so for me in, in today's league. I don't know. Um, he's a, he's a legit stretch. He, he, could, he could be the stretch next to Sabonis, something that Miles Turner people thought he was, but he really isn't. But Murray could probably be that guy more so. Speaking of Miles Turner in Indiana, though, since Indiana, oh. wait, since Indiana didn't get in the top four, so they're probably not going to have any of those bigs um, that would have slotted in as a great power forward um, beside Miles Turner. 
and Indiana is in the firm lead for me in terms of places I'm going to try to trade Jackson Hayes to. And they can just, you know, experiment with him as a power forward there, someplace where he can do what he's supposed to do. Mm. And that would be one of my trade probably. I'm going to say yeah. Rick Carlisle probably is watching planes, probably like, no thanks, but that's just my guess. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Carlisle has a pretty hard no morons um, code. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, Rick Carl, the guys he hasn't gotten along with, yeah. Jackson would I don't I can't imagine Jackson enjoying having to hear Rick Carl. Enjoying? Like, oh my god, no. What the <laughs> fuck are miserable. you doing, Jackson? Why are you over there, Jackson? Like it's not gonna be Willie. It's not that ain't Rick Carl's style. It ain't Willie. Man. Oof. And then he's all on top of that, he's in Indianapolis. I mean, I guess that's close to his hometown, Cincinnati, but still. Uh, that might be worse for him. You send him back <laughs> to home. I'm just saying the, the, the Pacers are one of the teams that have a lot of cap space. Yeah, um, they do, and they want so to trade can, their guards. You're right. To yeah, go yeah, from I, six I to eight is a reasonable drop if you give them Jackson Hayes and flip it. Yeah. That's oh, a reasonable boy. I would do that in a heartbeat, especially if Shaden Sharp sitting there. Oh, my God, yes. That's a very – I think that's a reasonable call. <laughs> And, like, if they need more than that, the Pelicans have, like, like I said, we have these second round, they have this, these second round picks just burning a hole in their pocket. Um, and they have more of them Are coming. Are you in Devontae Graham? Oh, I mean, I mean, yeah. my dream is always going to be Devontae Graham to Atlanta for Herder, and we'll just swap. So the Pelicans fly. Garrett Temple? <laughs> <laughs> like a Temple? Hey, one guy we didn't mention, guys, that's been rumored, you know, in the top 10 usually is a uh, Johnny Davis. But I'm I didn't watch Johnny Davis guy. this year at all. What I'm not a Johnny think? Davis guy. Nope, nope, nope. I don't like him for the Pelicans. I'm not yeah, you Johnny guys Davis. are both Big Ten. Tell me about Johnny Davis. Tell the audience about Johnny Davis. It's, it, man, like, I know we said, you know, we, I'd love to have a defender and, you know, a high IQ guy. But, man, his shot was atrocious. Like, it was atrocious, atrocious. Like, I don't think this is salvageable atrocious. Um, and so that's not the kind of swing I'm taking on a six foot five guy. <laughs> like, yeah, he doesn't, he's not a great, <laughs> to me, he's not a great finisher. He's not a great ball handler. I, he reminds me and I'm, and, and this will, this will make you feel, he reminds me of Austin Rivers. Huh? Same body type. Not a great, he's not great at anything, but he scored points in college, but he's not great at anything. I don't find him, but he's not a great free throw shooter, not a great three-point shooter, not a great two-point shooter, not a great leaper, not a great – I mean, like, he rebounds as well as a college – Volume, baby, just volume. But I don't see it, man. You don't You don't go from – like, he. you know what I'm saying? Like, he was a better shooter as a freshman, but as soon as he got minutes, his shooting fell off a cliff. He just got all the opportunities. Well, he got shots. And, I mean, that to me, that's the only thing that translates on his game is that he can rebound the basketball. Because I think that, you know, if you rebound, you're going to rebound. But I don't. the Pelicans don't need another guard who can rebound. That's not what they need. And he can't shoot the basketball. I just, to, to me, and, he, and I wouldn't put the ball in his hands to run my offense because he's not a threat that I, I would, if I'm defending, I'm playing off of him, making him shoot. So he's not a threat. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys, he played like what? He was a starter minutes level guy. And I know he averaged around two assists a game. How's that possible? 
Well, I mean, you have to also understand Wisconsin's brand of basketball is unrecognizable to fans of the sport of basketball. So, I mean, there's there's that, but I mean, at at the high end, you're you're looking at Johnny Davis, and you're like, um, he's like a poor man's Josh Hart, maybe, maybe, um, maybe, maybe. So, like, like he's not as strong as Josh. No, and he can't. He's not as big. I'm like sure, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he's not nearly. I mean, Josh at his lowest as a three point shooter was better than what Davis has shown. Exactly. So, yeah, like I'm I'm not drafting poor man's Josh Hart in the top 10. Like there's a it reason. Sounds like this guy's going to end up on the Knicks, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Grub. <laughs> I just, I just don't think he's all of it. I think he's this again. They always talk about how much talent there's in the draft. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of physical talent. There's a lot of individual skill, but there are not a lot of basketball players, man. And that's every year we find out how important it is to find the basketball players who who's still playing the basketball players. And, and people can talk about who you Pelicans went home. Yeah. But the, the guys, all three of those kids were up there playing through six games and they were as important as anybody else to the outcome of that series. So, I mean, that's what you want. That's, that's what you're looking for when you draft a rookie. That's how it used to be. Even when you were drafting an NBA and it was superstars and these guys who were three and four year players, the reason you took players was because they could contribute now. You didn't wait on guys. And I think that's the approach that the Pelicans have to take at this stage. They are at the point where everyone on your roster better be able to contribute. There cannot be an empty roster spot. There can't be a throwaway spot on this team. They need basketball players and they can't, you can never have enough of those. And there's still guys who have to mature. So you double down on guys who are at least mature basketball-wise. That's my thought. Yeah, I think we did a good job of covering everything. Um, I'm wondering if people wanted us to talk about second-round picks, but basically you mentioned I mean, there's no space on the roster. <laughs> so I'm just going to quickly say picks 41 and was it 52, I believe. That's yeah, either going to be sold, traded, or draft and stash. I, I'm, there's no way they're going to utilize somebody like for another Herb Jones again. You just don't see it, right, guys? I'm the only the only way that I would say that they end up using one of those is if they make an uneven trade where they send out more players than they bring back in. Um, and then they might use one of those slots. But even if they did a trade like that, I would assume that they're going to roster their lottery pick um, and then they're opening a roster spot so that they can use some portion mm-hmm. of an exception to sign a guy who can contribute right away, not mm-hmm. for a second round pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I mean, the good thing is that you, even if you do take the second rounders, you know, it's a non-guaranteed contract. You can just release them. And, and, and if you, you know, like I say, you can either do a draft and stash, or you can send them to the G league because your team is actually looking like it can be a good developmental spot. So if you can get convince some players to, to, to go to the G League spot, there's always going to be a need. The NBA has shown, and, and, and in the era of both COVID and the amount of injuries that we see, having a G League team that is up on your plays, understands your team concepts, is going to be a huge weapon, um, I think, in the NBA going forward. Having four or five guys constantly just a level below who you are getting ready to play NBA basketball 
I think is going to be vital to the, to the, to the health of the Pelicans franchise as a whole. Absolutely. So, yeah, man, I can't wait. Um, we'll, we'll break down. I'm going to send out um, a roundtable to the rest of the staff here later tonight, um, and we'll see. We'll get more feedback um, from everybody else over at the Bird Rights regarding, um, you know, what they're hoping to do with the draft. Um, and we'll and take your I'm questions sure. as well. You know, and we'll... Then, I'm sure that the trade, the trade speculation will begin to fly. Absolutely. Well. So we'll dedicate um, some podcasts going forward on, we'll continue to look at the draft and we'll continue to look at uh, trade possibilities. We'll do all of that mm-hmm. as the off season goes on and we'll look at and see what happens when free agency does start. So we'll be here throughout the off season and, um, going up to summer league and everything else. So you know us, we're, we'll be here and uh, we thank you for listening to us. And this has been another edition of the bird calls in the words of our friend, Preston Ellis. Let's go. Pals. for listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today